everyone and welcome to the learner's corner podcast my name is caleb mason and i am so grateful that you have decided to spend a few minutes of your day here with me in the learner's corner and today i am honored to be joined by marilyn vansel to talk with her about her brand new book beyond the enneagram an invitation to experience a more centered life with god now If this is your first time listening to the podcast, I do want to tell you about a couple of things that inform pretty much everything that we do here in the podcast. The first thing is this, is that we want to create a safe place to have difficult conversations, to engage in conversations to where we don't necessarily have to agree about everything in order to learn from each other, that we can disagree respectfully and still learn learn from each other, and that we believe that we can learn from anyone and from everyone regardless of whether or not we agree with them. And sometimes that means learning from people's mistakes, learning from their failures, learning from where they got it completely wrong. And also realizing that just because someone has done something bad doesn't mean that we can't learn something from them. And sometimes that could be, you know, even though they they have done something horrible, that we can learn something from their example or, or learn learn from one thing that they did, but maybe just learn what not to do in another area. Regardless of whatever it is, we believe that we can learn from anyone and from everyone, from anything and from everything, whether that is something just fun and lighthearted, or if that's something is a little bit more serious in nature. And we do this, at least I do this, because someone decided to share what they were learning with me. And we want to pass that on to the next generation, to the next people as well, so that it doesn't stop with us. And you know, for me, it's strongly informed by my faith because I believe that that is what, that is what you know, my faith in Jesus that he did for me. And we want to return the favor as well and pass on what we have learned to the people that we're investing in. And so today, we are going to talk about the Enneagram. And in fact, actually what we're going to talk about, we are going to talk about the Enneagram, but we're going to talk about how the Enneagram is not the solution to everything. In fact, that's what, you know, Marilyn talks about in reference to her title, you know, beyond the Enneagram of realizing, especially as it, as it pertains to spiritual formation or even personal transformation, that the Enneagram in itself is a great tool but it is not the end all be all. And if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know, I love the Enneagram. I think it's a great tool that helps us continue to grow and learn and all of that stuff. And we're, we're in for a very fascinating conversation with Marilyn, especially after I, you know, saw this book, I was really looking forward to talking with her. And so, you know, I'll tell you a bit about Marilyn here in just a second. However, if you want to keep up with you know, all the things that I'm learning from and about, please subscribe to my newsletter. You can check out the show notes for the link to all of that. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Marilyn and we will dive into the conversation. Marilyn Vansel has studied the Enneagram and its value in Christian spiritual transformation for many years. She is a certified Enneagram professional in the narrative tradition through Enneagram Worldwide, a certified spiritual director through Soul Stream, and a trained life coach through Coach Training Alliance. She has completed coursework on the Enneagram at Loyola University and the Deep Coaching Institute. She facilitates workshops and retreats on the Enneagram, focusing on how it can be used to deepen one's life with God and improve relationships. She practices spiritual direction and coaching from Seattle, where she enjoys life with her husband, Jeff. Without any further wait, here is our conversation. It's so good to have you on the podcast today. Well, Caleb, thank you. It's an honor to be here and to be have some time with you and to you know talk about my new book and 
Yeah. And, you know, just as we're getting started, one of the places that I usually love to begin a lot of conversations is I love hearing the story behind works of art or, in, you know, in this case, behind uh, behind your book, Beyond the Enneagram. And so I would just love to hear kind of like your origin story of like, where did this idea come from with you? And then just writing through the book and all of that. Sure. Thanks for asking. Well, um, I really hadn't planned to write any books. And then I wrote Self to Lose, Self to Find, which is on the Enneagram from a, mm-hmm. in the Christian context or a biblical context of how the Enneagram is helpful in the spiritual journey. Um, and so that came out in 2019, no, 16 as a self-published um, mm-hmm. book. And then I wasn't, yeah, that was a lot of work. Writing a book for yeah. me is a lot of work and isolating and, you know, fraught with all kinds of tension and vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know that I'd write another book, um, but I was praying and wondering what what's next. And God, in the middle of the night, I had this sense of the Enneagram and inner healing was what I heard and a sense of a light going out from me. Um, and that felt like a huge topic, but I am interested in inner healing and, um, the inner story and all that. And part of my work as a spiritual director and my own life has been powerful to go through inner healing. So that kind of niggled away in my mind. And then I got a call from Random House who had my first copy of my first self published edition and they asked if they could republish it with you know if there were any changes I would make and if they could do the second edition and I was like what you know every author longs for that but I didn't even know if I you know well okay and then she said I think you should write another book would you write another book and so I wrote up a quick proposal but I didn't wasn't even sure I wanted to do it and then Mm -hmm. I just wrote a little paragraph about beyond, you know, I didn't handle that at that time, but then they called me and said, we want to give you a two book contract. So I went, okay, God, I guess you're giving me this opportunity. I'm not sure. So, and the genesis of the actual um, content is that I was starting to see the Enneagram be misused um too important to people mm-hmm. like it was there people were looking for the answer in the enneagram for everything about their life and and there was just so much on social media and people thinking they're experts and they're not and then all these complicated things were being added and it just felt like this has gone from a simple tool to some complex thing. Mm -hmm. And I realized, you know, for me, the Enneagram was a great tool and it was an opening to a deeper dive into my life and a deeper journey, but it's not the answer. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to emphasize the spiritual center, which I suggested is in the middle of the Enneagram and in my first book. And I just wanted to write another book on developing that, the center part of Mm -hmm. who we are, our spiritual center. So so that's yeah, how that is, the title got beyond the enneagram. Yeah, I I love it, and it's it's such a it's a title that draws you in because it's like mm-hmm. oh enneagram, and then it's beyond the enneagram, and like you almost like whenever I first saw the title of it, it's like okay, it's almost like going deeper into the enneagram, and in one sense it is, but right. in another sense it's like you know almost look past the enneagram to right. what is truly what it what the enneagram is pointing to in that yes yes and i wanted to write on what i see as the purpose the use of the enneagram is that spiritual journey to wholeness and to centered life um and a free life and Mm -hmm. that you you know we can go beyond it if there's more to the spiritual journey than just trying to figure out and map yourself on the enneagram and so i thought i just think it's gotten to too important or too um, focused that people are just thinking the Enneagram has the answers, which it doesn't. It's just a tool that somebody created. And so I created my yeah. own, my own picture, which was kind of risky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
and I do want to I do want to get into that. And you talk about the drawing as yes. well, which you you reference a lot in the book. Um, I'd love to hit a little bit more on the the misuses of the enneagram that you just mm-hmm. see that are just common throughout you know throughout our throughout our broader world. Really, in like the last it feels like the last decade or so. Yeah, yeah. And when I published my first book, I thought I would be kind of a lone voice out there bringing the enneagram into the Christian or especially the more conservative Christian world. And then all of a sudden this tidal wave came in and I just jumped on my surf. You know, I was like, well, here, yeah. I already have a surfboard. So I think, uh, so I'm riding this wave, which, you know, all these books all of a sudden came out. And obviously there was a need for that and a hunger mm-hmm. for that because it took off. Um, the misuse to me, um, you just see it on social media all the time, like all these categories and what to give a Enneagram person for Christmas and how they, how to make them happy and, you know, what they, what they need to hear or, and, you know, some of it's true or insightful, but it's, it's so categorical. And it's, as I say in my book, it became a bounded set perspective. I think that all fives do this and all fives don't do this. And all nines wanted a cozy blanket for Christmas, but not, you know, and I, I'm a, I identify with type nine. And so I don't want a cozy blanket for Christmas. Um, And so I, I was resenting the categories that I was being put in and that people were assuming and kind of became a, you know, just an entertainment. And the other thing I think is a misuse, and I've seen it and felt it, is people say, well, what what type are you? Um, like you telling me you're a type three. Well, I can't assume yeah. I know Caleb Mason now. That, yeah. oh, you're type three. Okay, I got you in a box, and I know exactly your life. And so I don't need to ask you anymore. There's no in- curious, you know, curiosity about yeah. you. It's just, yeah. oh, okay, I know Caleb. <laughs> yeah. got, you know. So I felt that too. Um, probably the misuse that really bothers me the most is assuming the childhood wound that each person, each type has experienced. Because our childhood wounds are as varied as there are people. And everybody's story is different. And even when I read about the assumed childhood wound for a type nine, I said, that is not my life. That was not my life. And so I just feel like that's really presumptuous and, mm-hmm. and misses that point of inner healing and deep, a deeper dive. Like, how did I come to believe I couldn't, I shouldn't cause conflict? Well, that's mm-hmm. a story, my story. It's not all nine story. And so um, I just think it, it um, bypasses a deeper uh, journey of inner healing and inner awareness and freedom. So Mm -hmm. those are things that come to me. Yeah. It eliminates the nuance and the complexity of just our humanity. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I want, I want to go back to what you mentioned, you know, you mentioned that, um, we we typecast sometimes through the childhood wound or go, oh, you are a nine. You know, this is this is your wound that happened to you. Your parents probably did this or the same with, the, you know, the three. Your parents probably did this. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to hear you just talk more about that and like even your own process of going like, hey, I did not necessarily identify with this childhood wound of the nine, but yet you still identify as a nine. Can you right. kind of like walk me through what that looked like for you? Yeah, sure. Well, just a bit of my own story is I grew up in a wonderful home with great parents. I was the only girl between two boys and my parents were together. Dad's 101 and a half. He's still alive. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And my mom died way too early, but they had a great marriage and we had a good home. And so there was, and they were always supportive. They were at my stuff. I was not ignored. Or, or I wasn't, you know, often they say, well, nines grew up in a chaotic family and they had to manage all the conflict. Well, that is not the case for me at all. Um, but I did learn, I think the one, you know, thing that sticks with me is that my parents weren't, um, didn't know quite what to do with feelings, even though they were great people, 
Um, and so there was a sense of getting a hard look from my dad if I complained or my mom would say, oh, for heaven's sakes, you know, and, you know, out of good hearts that they had, but I didn't. So it was like, oh, well, I get a little more affirmation if I'm a, if I'm a good girl and I don't speak up or don't create a problem. And so that began a, a, a belief that I, that I'm better off. I get rewarded for being mm -hmm. calm and, and, uh, going along, but in general, that was my personality. I mean, I do think we were hardwired in a certain way, um, a propensity. And so it was just an easier life to go along. And I really didn't have big feelings. And so, you know, I assumed that role, but it was not a chaotic family that I had to be the hidden one and be be afraid of conflict. So, yeah. 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 pretty simple and i just think that mm -hmm. to be peaceful and harmonious and want that so yeah you know yeah. you you mentioned this whenever i or you touched on this briefly whenever i you know mentioned the story behind the book but even um you know you mentioned you being a type nine and write writing a book is a is is putting yourself out there <laughs> and you've done it twice <laughs> that's for sure now yeah it's so yeah. You know, I I would just love um, maybe if you just tease out a little bit more of like like what led you to do that because like that is mm -hmm. you know again I maybe I am typecasting a little bit here um, right right but it's like that's that's not the normal like threes you think of threes and it's like we will put we can put ourselves out there for better right, or worse right, sometimes right yeah um, and I think I have a strong. I have a strong one and, but I also, I can really access the three when I'm focused mm -hmm. and then, you yeah. know, nines are really um, known for once we're focused and have clarity, it might take a while to get there. They mm -hmm. go for it and they make great leaders. They make great, we produce, but it's that need to clarify and not be kind of run, you know, distracted by everybody else's agenda and expectations. Mm -hmm. And so why well, the first book I was, I started, I really also, you know, I learned the Enneagram 35 years ago and it was a, something that I found very helpful in my own life and in our marriage and in relationships, but it wasn't very well known, especially in my, you know, conservative Christian um, context. And um, yeah. so I always thought I wanted to teach it. And so I started doing little workshops and begging my friends to come to it, you know, to them. And then they'd say, oh, you should write a book. And I go, oh, no way. There's enough Enneagram books out there. I don't need to write an Enneagram book. And But I was on my own spiritual journey at that time of recognizing some new, just an emergence of a new understanding of Jesus, a new understanding of the spiritual journey, a lot of freedom. And that when I read the scripture that Jesus said, when you if you save your life, you'll lose it. If you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. And I was just struck by there's a self to lose and a self to find like there's, there's a yeah. self to find. And so I woke up one morning with self to lose self to find and said, that's the book I have to write. So, mm -hmm. and how's the Enneagram help with that? So yeah. I just started telling people I'm writing a book, which was what? <laughs> and yeah. I buckled down and I did it um, because I was mm -hmm. focused there. I had clarity. And then mm -hmm. the same with book two, um, you know, of course I was invited to do it, which often nines really kind of wait for the invitation, like really, you know, and it was an yeah. opportunity, but I had been niggling about the idea, but not necessarily to write a book, but I just wanted to start talking about the spiritual center, which I introduced in book one. I wanted to focus more and I started seeing this draw, you know, the, I, I created the drawing kind of just in my mind. And then it just started to percolate. And mm -hmm. so, you know, that's yeah. how it came about. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I do want to get to the center here in just a second. I want to touch on one other thing. And in this, um, this could just be uh, semantics of what you were saying, but you mentioned, you know, there's misuses and then sometimes we make it too important as, as well. Can you kind mm -hmm. of like, if, if you have more thoughts on, I would love for you to maybe paint a picture of like, 
What does making the Enneagram too important, what does that look like in our lives? Mm. Like, how can we almost find out like, yeah, we are, we are probably placing a little too much confidence or a little too much trust in the Enneagram. Yes. Um, well, it's not the be all end all. And as you said earlier, we all have nuance to our lives and the complexity of our life. And I think it can easily misplay or replace, uh, be in place of seeking God, um, looking toward Jesus for the answers. And I, uh, and so it become, and for some people, it's just like compulsive, it's just obsessive. And I hear people, you know, I have a lot of spiritual directees and people that I meet with one-on-one. And I also started finding, and I, they, they've contacted me through my, because of my book and their interest in the Enneagram and our initial conversation, we talk about their Enneagram type and how they came to discover that and what they see. But after that, our our conversations are not about the Enneagram. I'm not helping them become a better two or three or five. <clears throat> and I'm finding that that's not really where the, their spiritual ahas happen because we're looking at the Enneagram. And so I just felt like it just kind of went by the wayside for me, even in my own life. Um, and that it wasn't providing me with the spiritual depth that depth that I was longing for. It wasn't leading me to a, a more centered life with God. It was kind of became a distraction, not, you know, I still, obviously I still think it's a very useful tool and it helps yeah. us understand, but, and so I didn't want to, I didn't want to eliminate, I, you know, I'm not saying, oh, this is satanic or this is a yeah. this is not useful anymore but i found that it wasn't as yeah. as dominant in the conversations i'm having with people that are longing for a deeper life with god um mm -hmm. but you know it helps me know kind of some questions to ask them yeah but not we're not talking about being a better enneagram whatever yeah. we're talking about accessing the presence of god and being aware of god's God's voice in our lives and God's presence. So that's what I care about. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I absolutely love that language of you using it, it like the Enneagram is a tool. It's yeah. not, and just going back, and this is kind of, you know, using two analogies of what you were saying, but it's not the answer, but it's it's a tool that helps you, that can help you get to the answer. And there's many tools that can help yeah. us help yes. us get to that. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I do want to touch on some of those, uh, you know, those later tools that you might find helpful in your own spiritual direction and guiding mm. people too. Um, but I want to go back to, you You know, you mentioned inner healing and in, uh, in the book, you talk about inner soul restoration yeah. as well. Can you kind of unpack that, that topic of what yeah. exactly that is and how we can experience that? Sure. Thank you. Um, yeah, that's, a, uh, you know, an introductory or chapter one. So it's kind of the setting for the whole book. Um, yeah. you know, and I think that's what we have, uh, we all have wounds. We all have lies that we believe we have inner narratives that run, you know, kind of below the surface, kind of a thread of things that are, that are, um, holding us back and from freedom and from accessing our true identity. But we live in a, you know, an adapted self identity, which I call it. Um, and so it's to it, we can't just come up with a system to be restored but it's an inner journey and so i talk about i break down those three words the inner it's the inner work it's the inner change that then pours out um it's moving toward the you know seeking god seeking and recognize part of it which the enneagram is helpful for is saying "Ooh, i I, you know, rely, I, I'm run by people's expectations, like, ooh, stop, you know, how is that holding me back? So it's, a, but it's the inner work of God in our lives and seeking inner healing. And then our soul, you know, which is a complicated topic and you can't really define it, but you know, you have one, yeah. <laughs> you know, it can't be put in a box either, but it needs restoration. And I use the example of a broken chair in the garage that was once a beautiful masterpiece and that we all have ways that our, our masterpiece of our soul has been hurt and damaged and, uh, you know, pushed away to, you know, one degree or another. 
um, some with little and some with a lot of that um, experience in life, trauma and, and, you know, big things that have ruined the soul, have broken the soul. And so it needs to be restored. You know, our minds need to be renewed. Our hearts need to be mended. Our bodies need to be, you know, and our wills need to be tempered and our bodies need to be, you know, attended to because we do carry a lot in our bodies as well. And so it's restoring that. Um, how, how does God, and there's so many scriptures that talk about restore the soul. And then um, restoration, you know, to that word is returning it, bringing your soul back to its original masterpiece, its original design. And, and that can take all different kinds of forms. Um, there's not one set path of inner healing that you formulate, but there are very helpful tools for that out there and therapy and count, you know, all, all kinds, spiritual direction, inner healing, prayer, um, a lot. And then, um, but it's returning that chair back and trusting the, the one who created us is drawing us to that kind of work, but it takes, what did I say in the book? It takes desire. It takes saying, I don't want to be this way anymore. I'm so done with this. Lord, heal me, help me. It takes willingness. Like, okay, I'll do, I'm open. I will, you know, and some of it's going back to old stuff that's painful to recognize. But once it comes to the surface, then you, then you can deal with it. And then it takes honesty. It takes, um, what's the next word I had? I don't, can't remember now yeah and but most of all <laughs> trust it'll come back to me but trust trusting yeah. that god is drawing us god is inviting us god is wanting us desiring for us to become to be restored to our original design and that's walking mm -hmm. in our true identity walking in affirmation of god's love awareness of god's love and healing and forgiveness and wholeness and all those things that i think god just wants us he's desiring to do that for us but we have to be willing and to be um patient it takes time it's not a once and done kind of thing because we're so complex so mm -hmm. yeah yeah i'd love you know, as it pertains to like the the inner healing and the the restoration process that you talk about, like I can I can imagine that like some of the things that come up there is like past trauma or even it could could be childhood wounds, like we were talking yeah, about before. Of I'd I'd love to hear like what are just some of the like the broader categories that you keep seeing like hey as you as you pursue this journey of inner healing, like this is probably some of the stuff that you're going to encounter or run into. Hmm. Uh, well, what I have experienced a lot with people, and um, I address this just briefly, but as they're in a process of, of quote, deconstructing their faith, mm -hmm. which is an important process, but I see it as an invitation um, yeah. to, to, from God to say, okay, lay aside what doesn't, you know, isn't true or isn't, isn't, isn't helpful. But I see a lot of people with um, their experience, their image of God is that he's harsh and rigid mm -hmm. and judgmental. And so people have a lot of self-judgment again about toward themselves or have felt, have been in situations where they were judged or, you know, not, very free. So that's one I see a lot is just that, that piece of judgment. And when I bring that up to people, I say, well, I hear some judgment there. They go, Oh yeah, that, yeah. Um, and that holds people back. Um, and just trauma, you know, it's just so sad that some of the trauma that people have experienced and it leads to this sense of self-loathing or, um, unworthiness, like I'm not worthy, or this was all my fault. Um, I'm to blame. Um, you know, there's a lot of underlying messages, lies, or you're not enough. You're too much. And I really, one of my favorite things to do is identity exercises with people. And I, I know, mentioned two of them in the book, but to just have them identify the, the what messages have they heard that and it's a variety. It's not, you know, I list a few in the book, but it's certainly not exhaustive. 
but just, you know, you're too much, you're not enough, you don't matter, you know, what are the, what are the lies that they've heard that just run deep and allowing God into that, to speak into that, to use different words and I'm your, you know, you're my beloved and you're this, you're that, you're, um, you're significant, you matter, or mm -hmm. changing the, that internal narrative toward a more positive, mm -hmm. godly perspective of yourself. So I don't know if that answered mm -hmm. your question. Yeah. Yeah. But there are some themes that arise that I've seen quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the inter internal narratives that just have a stronghold on us. Oh, so, so much. And that's, that's one of the things that I think has been most helpful for me in the Enneagram of just knowing like, you know, those the ch the childhood messages of the childhood wound can often it may not get you exactly there but it can usually point you into like the three like the threes of like yeah we care about what people think and then you dig down deeper and it's like well it's not what everybody thinks it's mm -hmm. usually a, a few select people that you really care what they think <laughs> yeah. yes yes <laughs> Uh, yeah. And look, um, you know, the other thing, uh, just to show, is to look at as you look at your childhood that it's not all wounds, but looking at what we were punished for, whether actually mm -hmm. punished or we assumed uh, a separation or a rejection, but also what we were praised for and yeah. given a lot of reward for being successful and being this and that. Like, oh, that feels really good. And so you mm -hmm. keep it up thinking, yeah, that's the way you have to be to be loved and, and admired. Um, you have to keep, you know, being successful like as a three. Um, mm -hmm. So it's reward and punishment, not just the wounds. But some yeah. of that, you know, we're complex. Yeah. So it's, it's oh, yeah. you know, letting God into those com the, that complexity of us, but um, and leading us to freedom. Yeah, that's that's such a good point too because of the what were you rewarded for as a kid mm -hmm. because that's it's one of those counterintuitive things where you think well this is how I get praised but it's like well just because you're getting praised for it does not mean that's a good thing. Yeah. 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 Uh yeah. the other thing that came to my mind is uh you know you mentioned with your family and this is also true for for my family uh as well of the places that were underdeveloped like in our feelings and everything. And sometimes it's not even necessary. It's the wound. It's, you know, it's the whole thing of wounds of commission, wounds of wounds of omission too. And yeah, that's just what, what came to my mind for that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, uh, we, there's a desire in us for that to, for our feelings to be held and validated and yeah. not everybody is capable of doing that. As, mm -hmm. at the level that we long for and um, mm -hmm. and to recognize that it's not intentional always, but it is a lack of capacity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to go back to uh, the toolkit we mentioned that the Enneagram can be uh, a tool in that. Mm -hmm. You know, I think another one that you write about in the book, and I know that, you know, sometimes this might, this might be a little bit complex to talk about because it is like a, an actual drawing and you do call it the drawing right. as well. But can you, um, as best as you can, can you kind of tease out what the drawing is and how we can use that or even yeah. um, just better understand that? Yeah. And I've, I'm happy to send you a copy of, you know, that if you want to put that in the show notes for people. Yeah, that'd um, be great. Okay, I'm just getting it redesigned, not redesigned, but adding the title to it a little, you know, so, so I have a better copy of it. Um, but it really the name is has a double meaning because it is a drawing. Yeah. And then, um, but it really signifies that that we are being drawn by God toward this a more centered life toward greater union or awareness of our union awareness of God's restoration of us and that um, that so it has it, you know I can, there's a place for the Enneagram in it along this journey I call it a pilgrimage and so on the outer on the outer circle it's concentric circles 
And so on the outer, well, I'll start with the middle. In the middle is just a, a symbol of God and the Trinity and the, it, the center of God is love and that we're head, we all belong to be loved and to love also. And that, oh, I heard a great statement the other day um, that said, we're all looking for someone that's looking for us. And I just thought that was a beautiful statement is oh. that, yeah, that we all yeah. long to be seen, to be known, to and that God says, I see you, I know you, I want you. Come closer to me, come, come further. I'm, you know, how many times in the scripture, come, come to me, come. And that that invitation, so we're being drawn. So I called it the drawing, meaning the drawing of God, like he's a magnet, God's a magnet, and that we're being drawn. And I think he's drawing everyone. And so then I created these concentric circles on the outside as all those wounds, perceptions, deception, lies that are like a brick wall that keep us from that movement toward the middle. And then the, and moving from the adapted self, which is built around all of that, our life experiences, and then move toward the authentic self, again, the masterpiece that God created and that God's inviting us to live more fully as our authentic self. So in that diet, you know, I have several circles that describe the adapted self um, narratives or, or uh, you know, a few of them. And people, you know, I'm kind of inviting people to write in there what their narratives are, not just the ones that I spell out, but they kind of tie into the Enneagram types. And then moving toward the center, um, where we hear the affirming love voice of God saying, uh, giving us a different um, self-concept, a self-awareness. And then that in that middle, as further removed center, the more we will be an expression of all the fruits of the spirit. And that was the other thing about putting the spirit in the middle is that if the closer we are to the middle, even if you think about the Enneagram, if we're in the middle, we're equidistant from all the types and not just stuck yeah. on the outside circle. And so, you know, it's, that's kind of a brush stroke, but yeah. I, you know, it's not, it, and then, oh, the biggest thing that, you know, I added arrows and the arrows um, on the traditional Enneagram, I was starting to go, well, these never land anywhere. They're helpful, hmm. but they're not, where are they? What's, you know, do we just keep going around the arrows? And so I thought, no, I want to have a centered set perspective perspective on this is that the arrows represent our pilgrimage toward the center and that that's our destination. That's the, the, not that we ever reach it until we're yeah. in heaven and, and with God face to face, but um, that that's the journey that we're on is moving toward the center and we can choose to stay on that journey just more like a labyrinth than a straight arrow through the middle, but, or we can mm. face the other way and just stay stuck. Um, mm. But God's drawing us, drawing everyone, I believe toward yeah. a life with him. Mm. So, I, so I love that. Yeah. I love that so much of specifically about what you were talking about for the arrows. Cause it makes me think, you know, as, as each type, you know, goes to health or unhealth and, you know, stress and security and all that stuff. It's almost like we, like with, with God being at the center, it's almost like we move, we can sometimes move past that stuff. We move past it. Right. And so, yeah, that it was just, that was very helpful for me. So thank you for that. Yeah, sure. Mm. I mean, um, those are helpful. You know, the arrows are enlightening, but they're not the, yeah. again, aren't the be all end all. Like I don't need yeah. to just move to three. I need to move to a more toward God and allow God yeah. to, to heal whatever he needs to heal and, and lead me, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned uh, narratives can sometimes be the thing that, or one of the things that helps us or keeps us from moving towards the center and mm -hmm. towards God and that, what are some of the other things that you've just noticed throughout like your work as a spiritual director and just Enneagram work that, that mm -hmm. tend to keep us from moving towards the center? Mm -hmm. Well, I, you know, like I said earlier, that sense of self-judgment, um, those lies and, you know, 
and we I have to realize that some of, of what keeps us stuck is perceptions we've developed that aren't really true, mm-hmm. um, but that have kind of landed in us that we perceived that we were not accepted, but maybe we were, or and and a lack of awareness of the gifts that we've been given. Um, And the the lies, the choices we've made, the sins that we've actually, you know, choices we've made that have been damaging to us, it creates a lot of shame. I think shame is a big thing that we, I, you know, and I need to learn more about that because it's really important that we're shame. We feel shame about our lives, and so that arises and and it gets triggered. And also recognizing that some of my reactions now to things are triggered by some older narrative or some older story that I experienced. And I don't even know why I'm reacting this way to this person or this comment, but then I have to go, what was that about? Like, and then go back like, oh, you know, is there a memory I have as in my development that is tied into this, that that neuro pathway has been created that always says, well, you're not significant or whatever it is. Um, And so a lot of this is being curious about our reactions and noticing them and, and saying, what's, what's that about? Instead of, well, that's just the way I am, or it's the other person's fault or um, all kinds of ways that we dismiss ourselves. I don't know if that answered your question, mm-hmm. oh, but yeah. um, yep. there's a, you know, there's, we're complex and we've all had our mm-hmm. own story and to, to go on the beautiful journey, even though it's courageous and not always easy, but the beautiful journey toward healing and just going, Jesus, come into that memory. I mean, I do that all the time in spiritual direction. Someone will mm-hmm. say, well, you know, something current, like, I invite them is there this tie back to any kind of memory let's just pause here and see if God has and they'll come up with you know they realize they remember a story and then to invite Jesus into that story because Jesus was there um and to reframe the story it's really uh, amazing what that shift is made for them Mm. in that yeah I love that I love that yeah yeah. You know, in the in the second half of the book, you talk a lot about like these these movements of like what it can look like as we um, as we move more towards the center. And so one of the ones that I would just love um, to start with and then I would love your take on maybe one one that's really speaking to you right now is the one from, you know, from what I do to who I am. And obviously, you know, that that resonated so strongly with me because obviously, you know, that that can be a type three thing. Um but I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts. On, and I guess this is also probably one of the dangers of that Enneagram of going like, oh yeah, that's a type three thing, but it's like everybody deals with that <laughs> too. Yeah. So can you, t- can you talk about um, just how, I guess how that looks for everybody and kind of that movement from what right. I do to who I am. Right. Yeah. That's, oh, that's such a great topic. And it's so foundational that we have, you know, I say it's like we have all these name tags on that we've assumed for ourselves, or that other people have told us and or what we do that we find, you know, as you know, it's not that what we do doesn't have value, but we just name we have these name tags on that define us and that isn't that aren't you know, that's not truly who we are. It's just what we do or how we look or, but, and some of them are positive, some of them are negative. Um, And the Enneagram can really help us identify those, like a type one, like I'm bad or I'm not worthy um, or I'm a good girl. Um, And so moving from that false, false identity the adapted identity identity, and just naming those, like what name takes do I have on that are getting in the way of me seeing my truest self um, <clears throat> as God sees me and as I truly am. And so it's what moving from what I am, whether it's I'm an Enneagram 
three or I'm a liberal or I'm a Presbyterian or I'm an athlete or I'm gay, I'm straight, um, I'm this or that, um, that that's not, that that is just a what. And to move to who I am in hidden in Christ, who I am as God's beloved, God's creation, that. And then I love uh, Caleb going through an identity ex identity exercises and my favorite one is helping yeah. people listen to it their image you know what how God sees them and having them come up with an image or not they come up with just listen and and pay attention you know how does God see you and I've had so many remarkable conversations with people that say well you know just recently and someone said, well, I see a lighthouse. And so then she's, you know, it's kind of like, well, I see a lighthouse. And then we go, okay, let's talk about a lighthouse. And she starts thinking, well, lighthouses bring people in from danger to a safe haven. Or a lighthouse is a guide and a lighthouse is steady on a rock. And it's like, all of a sudden she's going, yeah, 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 that is me. That That's what my passion is. That's what I care about. That's what I you know, do in my work. And so for her to, and then we added an adjective to that, which I'll, doesn't matter, but a, a, like a description of a lighthouse. Mm -hmm. And so we go back to that in, in our conversations and say, well, how's the lighthouse? Let's go back to you being a lighthouse. Oh yeah, that's mm -hmm. right. Or she just has a picture of a lighthouse. I have stuff around my room that remind me of my what names God gave me. And so that's who you are. She is like a lighthouse. That's her core. Or, yeah. And to then identify that's who you are, not what you do or what you look like or what other people say about you. But to, to then access that is so foundational to the rest of the journey and to believe that and receive it. And it's so individual. I mean, I've had all kinds of different you know, people have shared all kinds of different pictures and it's always, I don't know where this is going. Yeah. And then they say, say a word and then we unpack it. And it's just like, yes, that's me. Yeah. That's who I want to be. That's me at my best. And um, so it's very freeing. Yeah. I love that so much. You know, um, I, I do want to ask you about another, one of the movements that really stands out to you right now. But at first, um, are there any other like like you've mentioned a couple of different exercises that you love doing around identity. Is there just any others that come or any other one that just comes to mind that you want to talk about? Um, well, those are the two main ones that I list, yeah. you know, I put in there is one is, is identifying the lies and yeah. then, and then the other is identifying your best self and giving that best yeah. self a name. Yeah. Um, you know, those are the two main ones I do. I mean, there's so much yeah. good work around identity um, you should have Jamie Winship on your podcast. Mm. Um, he's remarkable about that. And I learned a lot from Jamie and Donna Winship. Um, I mentioned them in the book about identity, and they're really a specialist in that and have so many different ways of form, you know, and they have, you know, they, yeah. they, I learned a lot from them, but other books too. And it really is the biggest thing is inviting Jesus into it and listening mm -hmm. to, and receiving God, Jesus's gaze, got Jesus's presence. I mean, I, with my own spiritual director, I've been working on some things in my own personal life and, you know, just we silent before God and then something comes up, but we have to create space for it and desire to listen and recognize that we want to hear, we need to hear uh, or experience God's presence with us. And so, yeah. Yeah. What's another one of the movements that at least right now just is really standing out to you or has? You well, taken? my favorite chapter is the last one is from glory to glory. I mean, that, oh, that, yeah. I, I love that. And I love yeah. that scripture uh, that we are moving from glory to glory and what a great destiny that we have and that we start glorious and that we can move towards even greater glory and the, the use, you know, the the meaning of the word glory is weight and um, strength and um, substance. And I'm so um, 
I get so frustrated. And this was part of my upbringing in my spiritual mm -hmm. development is that we are supposed to become less and less, that we die to ourselves, we decrease so Jesus can increase. And that's such out of context. And this whole dying to self, I addressed that in the first book. Um, I mean, I know that that's not unscriptural. I mean, that's in the scriptures. But I think yeah. the meaning of it we've missed. And I, I just started thinking, well, Jesus, when he was on the earth here, he didn't make people less and less. He wasn't going around and saying, oh, you poor person that's sick, I'm going to make you sicker or less or, you know, you wounded soul. You know, he made people more and more and inviting them to a better, you know, a true identity as and wholeness and so god is wants us to be more and more substantial and weighty and and not vaporous and less and less and so we move from glory to glory it's just so it's just to me that was revolutionary in my own life to realize oh you know i don't have to become less and less or just disappear so god is greater it's like no we can actually both be greater and, and I, you know, I did have a vision of that, that before I didn't write it in the book, but just about being in a picture with Jesus and that I can, I'm not in the background, just fuzzy, you know, and that's less and less, but I'm also not in the foreground of being everything and Jesus is less, you know, fuzzy, but that we're side by side. And God said, you know, we can both be great. We can both be clear. We can both be more um together and it's not one or the other um growing or mm -hmm. you know decreasing or increasing so you know it's just such a great destiny that we're all yeah. if we're you know if we if we are on that journey and desire it that it, we're more and more more mm -hmm. and more glorious yeah do you do you find in your work do you see that being like the byproduct I mean, like i'm sure part of it is the byproduct of pursuing the center yes. as well yes. um but is there like any like spiritual practices that you might help someone to to take the step in the direction towards that center to seeing themselves as mm -hmm. you know for for more and more in that equal in that equal footing that you were talking about mm -hmm. Well, one of the biggest things is just pausing and mm -hmm. being curious and making space to listen to God and to know, you know, pausing, noticing like, hmm, what's that about? And inviting God into that, turning our gaze towards God. I mean, when I'm all wound up about something and it's to sit and go, okay. Jesus, you said, come to me. So I, I'm coming to you. And it just shifts my perspective. So amazing, you know, and so it's simple to notice, to pause, to notice and take time to notice and then to reflect on it and, and pray and ask God to reveal something. Um, you know, there, there's lots of spiritual practices that are helpful and like centering prayer, which is a discipline. Um, looking at, and I think I hear, I also hear this from a lot of people that they just can't, they don't, they don't know how to go back to the Bible because when they read it, if they're in that judgmental, they always hear having to be corrected. Like, Oh, what am I supposed to, what now do I have to confess? And where am I missing the point? Missing, missing in God's, you know, showing me this or that. And so a lot of people have just not known how to be in the scriptures again. And so the, the practice of Lectio Divina and letting the word just noticing. So what resonates with me today or what stands out to me? And it without, you know, going left brain, trying to figure this out, knowing the theology, um, but just like God speak to me in your word today. And, and I offer in one chapter, the project 89 of just look, going through the gospels and just writing your own reflective journal on what sticks out to you today and making it, you know, writing your own book on your own, you know, gospel story as it relates to the story of Jesus. So, um, mm -hmm. 
but pausing is so critical and and we just you know we haven't been taught that very well mm -hmm. i don't think and to you know notice and reflect and take the time and to honor yourself and honor your own journey and to allow god to speak speak into it in a loving way not in a condemning way mm -hmm. well i know that we've we've talked about a lot of different things just in yeah. this conversation and just throughout the book and everything. Is there anything else just top of mind that you want to make sure that we cover or anything from the book, from not in the book, relating to the conversation, whatever mm -hmm. that you want to make sure that we talk about? Well, I kind of going back to the point of the book that beyond the Enneagram is that I just, just put the Enneagram in the larger story um, that it's not the be all end all, but to place it, in the larger story of God's redemption and God's drawing and God's desire for us. And that we have to move, I believe we need to move beyond it if it's becoming too important. And that back to God is drawing each of us to a centered life with God. And he delights in that and wants that. And to take, be, uh, to just turn to God and, um, you know, which way are we turned? Are we turned toward mm -hmm. that trajectory toward God? Or are we, you know, turned away and really don't want to go there, but just to recognize God's love, God's desire, God's drawing, but and to feel the draw. I mean, I just have a scripture on uh, that. I just got on a little stone and I sit it on my windowsill and it's that I have drawn, I have, um, that God has drawn us with his loving kindness and it's kind. God is kind. God is good. And that in his kindness, he is drawing us has, has, has drawn us with his loving kindness. I love that. Yeah. I love that so much. Yeah. Uh, well, Marilyn, I know that people are going to want to keep up with you and get your book beyond the Enneagram. Where's the best place for people to go to, you know, keep up with you, get the book, all of that good stuff. Okay. Well, just my website is marilynbansell.com and you can order the book there. Um, you can contact me there. You know, I don't have a whole lot of content on there, um, but just an invitation to connect with me and to email me and ask questions. Um, right now my spiritual direction schedule is pretty full, but I certainly want to enter, you know, respond to people who are looking or mm -hmm. any guidance from me. So, you know, and the books available, both books. Actually, if you want to yeah. know more about the Enneagram, I mean, self to lose, self to find is a great, you know, and it puts it in the context of Jesus and that we are all created in God's image to experience and mm -hmm. express certain qualities. Like I said, mm -hmm. I just was wired to be a peaceful, easygoing person. So, you know, not to dismiss, you know, move on from my first book. I think they're companions to one another. And yeah, um, that, so it's all through my website. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is they, they are the perfect companions to the book. It almost feels like the second one is very much a sequel to the first one. Yeah, yeah it is. It is. Yeah. yeah. I, awesome. So well, Marilyn. Yeah. Well, Marilyn, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and just thanks for doing the work and for sharing it with mm -hmm. us and just what a wonderful conversation. Yes. Thank you, Caleb. Yes, I enjoyed it very much and appreciate your what you're doing and offering in the world and I'm glad to be a part of it. I think coming to that conversation with Marilyn, I think one of the things that's important for us to keep in mind is that the Enneagram is a great tool, but let's not become so focused on the tool that we forget what the tool is meant to help us do. That the tool, in this case, the Enneagram is meant us to become closer to God, or it's meant to help us become the person that that God has designed and created us to be and not get so focused on, well, I'm an eight, you know, I'm a three, I'm a six, I'm a, I'm a five or whatever number that it is. Not get so focused on 
the tool that we forget that there's many other tools that can help us and that the, that the chief purpose of that is for the Enneagram is to help us become the person that God has created us to be or become uh, closer to God and that we can sometimes confuel or confuse the tool for the tool's purpose. Now we get so focused on the tool that we forget that the tool's purpose is to, you know, create a masterpiece. It's help us. It's to help us accomplish something. It's to help us reach whatever purpose the tool is designed to be. And so just realizing that and not getting so enamored by the tool that we lift it up and almost make an idol out of it. And that can happen with Enneagram as well. So those are, that's kind of what's standing out to me from this conversation. And if you enjoyed uh, this conversation, if you enjoyed this episode, you know, please subscribe to the podcast and you can learn from all the other things that I'm learning about and subscribe to my newsletter where I give all of my recommendations and just share some of the things that I am currently learning from, from quotes to movies, to podcasts, to music, and just all sorts of other goodies. And so, yeah, that's all that I, I think that's all that I have for today. So I do want to say thank you to Marilyn for being on the podcast today. Thanks to Sam Massey for creating the music for this episode. And thank you for listening all the way to the end of the episode. My name is Caleb Mason, and until next time, keep learning and keep growing.